Good afternoon. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the AHA podcast. I'm your host, Andy DeLeo, better known as Cancer Geek, and I'm here with my colleague, AJ Montpettit. How's it going, AJ? It is fantastic. How are you this fine afternoon? I'm doing really well. So today we have our first guest, Dr. Spear, and I would love for you, Andy, to introduce her to our audience. I too am thrilled. Dr. Spear is a fellowship trained breast radiologist. She is an amazing force of nature. Not only is she a wonderful physician, but she has done a lot to really make sure that the topic of breast density and the importance and the coverage from a legislative perspective has been front and center. She has been a force not only in the Chicagoland area, but in the state of Illinois. And more importantly, I have the honor of calling her a friend and someone who is extremely inspiring to me. Um, so it's a, a great honor to, to be able to introduce Dr. Spear. So welcome to our show, Dr. Spear. Thank you so much for that really kind introduction, Andy and AJ. I really look forward to this. So just to give a premise for our listeners and that may be joining maybe for the first time or, or coming back after uh, listening to our observation podcast that we have. But really what the purpose of this show is, is to make sure that we're sharing our experiences inside of the world of medicine and to really gain and share those insights on how we can find the micro actions that anyone who's listening can take on a daily basis and really go back to trying to focus on the art of medicine. And so what we're hoping for is that our listeners are going to take a listen. They're going to take a step and go along with this journey as we're trying to transform healthcare and reminding everyone to place the me inside of uh, the heart of medicine and really about the, the power of one. So enough about me blabbing. Dr. Spear, could you share a little bit about yourself and sort of your journey to where you are today? Thank you so much. Yes, of course. My name is Georgia Spear. I am happy to be here today. I am the Division Chief of Breast Imaging at North Shore University Health System, and I'm also an Associate Professor of Radiology at the University of Chicago Pritzker School of Medicine. That is my current title. I'm a breast radiologist, and my passion really is taking care of women. It's finding breast cancers early when they're treatable. It's really helping patients navigate through medicine, through breast health, and I really enjoy educating and speaking on this topic as well. So I hope I can leave you with a couple of pearls today about what I do. I am from the Chicagoland area. My passion for medicine, I think, sparked when I was a very young child. I always had a passion for helping others, for serving others. I remember coming to my immigrant parents and saying to them at a very young age, I hope to grow up one day and become a physician, although I really had no physicians in my household or family. And I remember them saying to me, well, we came to this country to raise a family and offer opportunity to you to achieve your dreams. And so that really had become reality for me. I graduated from Northwestern undergraduate. I went to the University of Miami School of Medicine. I did all my training residency fellowship at Northwestern Memorial Hospital in the Chicagoland area. And you know how I landed in breast imaging is such a great story because my passion was just to help people. And along the way, I followed what I loved the most. And I remember loving talking to patients and performing procedures. And I entertained surgery as a specialty at one point. And as I was going through my journey of education, 
My aunt, my mom's youngest sister, was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was a college student. And she was only 39 years old. And unfortunately, she, she was a fighter, but she lost her battle with breast cancer and passed away only two years later. And I remember that having such a significant impact on me at that time in my life, but I didn't really know how that would influence my final choice and career endeavor. And today, finding myself in breast imaging wasn't something I had anticipated at that time. And like I said, just following my passion to help others and perform procedures and really make an impact in the field of medicine landed me in breast imaging at the end of the day, where I feel that I'm meant to be. So I have a question. I know for myself, I had a lot of profound impacts growing up, which brought me into the the world of oncology and, and cancer and has really shaped me. And I know AJ has had similar experiences personally as well. What What do you think it was about that instance or that time in your life in which experiencing that with a family member sort of shaped you and kind of pointed you in the trajectory that you now find yourself today? That's such a great question. And I think as a college student, you're trying to really find who you are. You know that you have interest in certain subjects, for example, and you're studying those subjects like science. It was science for me. But the reality is that tangible ability to really understand what your purpose is in life is something that you're just starting to identify or maybe even pursue in some ways by just following, you know, your goals at that time in life. And I remember the day that my aunt was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was a junior in college and I she wasn't even 40. And I remember her telling me what happened. And I remember visiting with her. I left my college campus and I went to see her that day and we talked. And I think just realizing what an impact a medical diagnosis such as cancer has on an individual and how it just reframed what her life would look like for the rest of her life. At that moment, it changed for her. And being a part of that journey that she was on was so impactful because I was recognizing you know, really, what's the difference between living and dying? And then also, you know, how do we really want to live while we're here on earth? You know, that became very profound to me as she was diagnosed because she was diagnosed with an aggressive form of breast cancer. She underwent uh, radiation, chemotherapy, complex surgeries, and then eventually, unfortunately, her, her cancer metastasized. And so I watched her go through question of dying and how that would look and you know what what that was going to be for her I think it really impacted me because I was searching for my own identity in life my own you know what is my worth what am I going to be here for and I think at that moment you just have an awareness of your surroundings but you don't really know how deep the impact is and it wasn't until years and time would go by that it would then just become a part of you all of a sudden you felt almost, you know, because she was such a close family member, you almost felt what she was feeling um, and then had to identify and come around and process it. And in that time of processing, a lot of it happening subconsciously, you don't realize, but what you're doing is you're also pursuing your own purpose in life. And then find myself studying the area of breast imaging, breast health, and finding cancers early. And now as an adult, after practicing for 12 years in my field, I recognize that that made such an impact on my life and somehow circuitously and not not in a direct trajectory did I pursue that path, but I came around for a reason just by being aware 
of my interests, my passions, and my mission as a physician. Every time I talk to you, I'm, I learn a little bit more and your passion just exudes and, and that's why you've always been so inspiring to me. How do you think medicine or healthcare, whatever term you'd like to use, how do you think it's changed since the time that your aunt went through her experience versus the world of which you practice today? Gosh, that's such a profound question because medicine is so ever evolving and changing. And, you know, a lot of us can think back when we were children and visiting private practices where physicians were taking care of families and and you would visit this physician and they would be your doctor and then your family's doctor. And then they were taking care of generations of families. That idea of private practice medicine has really evolved with the uh, sort of institutionalization of medicine and how we've become part of larger health networks to be able to, you know, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, provide access to patients regionally and expand our ability to touch patients in different parts of, you know, our city, our state, et cetera. So the fact that medicine has become more institutionalized and really become more of healthcare systems, and now most physicians are part of those healthcare systems, just the structure and the infrastructure of medicine has changed a lot in that way. And I think today I always find myself feeling privileged to have been, have experienced medicine in all stages like this, where I had a pediatrician in life where I remember my parents used, we used to always go see the same pediatrician and then we recommended family members to go there and it was a, such an expansion. And now a lot of times, you know, physicians may be with families for a long term, but they may also not be because, you know, potentially insurance might drive changes in healthcare providers and where you choose to go as a patient. And, you know, it's really changed. Just the infrastructure has changed. And I think, again, it's to provide access and ability for patients, diverse patients, to be able to access healthcare more equitably. I think that really is the goal. But the reality is, as a physician, when you're part of a larger institution, your role changes too. So your role changes because you're part of something so big and you have to almost re-identify what being a physician means to you. And I think a lot of what I experience today is how do we as physicians bring the value of what we do into society today? Because it's different than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and 30 years ago. So how do we participate in not only our own institution in the delivery of care, but in patients' lives? Or how do we make that kind of an impact? And I have been redefining myself as a physician for the last decade because of all these evolutionary changes. It has not only inspired me to delve into my clinical practice, which was my primary reason for going into medicine, is really taking care of patients one at a time in the practice, but it's really inspired me also to be a part of the conversations that are occurring in the institution and how healthcare is evolving. Or being a part of healthcare delivery on a larger scale in the sense that a lot of what we do and how we manage patients is driven by insurance or reimbursement and the like. And so I've delved into advocacy and legislative processes and helped pass some laws in Illinois. I help others nationally when they are going through this sort of endeavor because I feel that we as physicians need to be a part of bigger conversations in a lot of different realms than we used to. It's not just our clinical practice as it used to be. So now I find myself 
in state capitals, talking with lobbyists and legislators and lawyers and really trying to bring that medical expertise to that level so that when legislative changes happen, they can happen with our input as physicians because we are truly the experts in that arena. So hopefully we can provide something valuable that will actually effectively help more patients along the way. And then I think that goes to you know say as well as within your own institution, how do you continue to bring your identity as a physician into the corporation, being a part of larger meetings that may occur on a corporate level, or even with your guiding societies, like I'm a radiologist. And so the American College of Radiology is my guiding uh, society overseeing my practice. And so how can I be effective as a physician and bring my clinical expertise and my care for the patients that I have in my clinic onto those different scales to really be more effective and impactful, not only on a local level, but on a state level? on a regional level, on a national level, and even on an international level. One of my favorite things that I've accomplished in my career was in 2019, I co-chaired the Chicago International Breast Course with a mentor of mine, Dr. Ellen Mendelson. And we co-chaired a conference that was international. We had guests from all over the world, uh, physicians and other healthcare providers within the health system relating to breast health. And we brought to them not only educational initiatives in breast imaging, but also hands-on workshops. How do we do things here and what can we provide to someone else to teach them that they can bring back to their practice and maybe do differently or think about what they do and maybe make changes? And how can we bring the latest into one network so that we can all work together, learn from one another and practice better in our own institution. So something you've said earlier to me is not being complacent with the status quo is sometimes innate. And I feel that is one of my innate personality traits. And so just always driving to see what kind of impact can we have with our experience, with our expertise, with our medical knowledge, where we can make a greater impact for our patients. That is a lot to unpack and got about 20 questions I want to ask, but I want to follow up on your advocacy and activism that you've done outside of the hospital and healthcare systems. And if I understood correctly, while I was professionally stalking you before our interview, <laughs> did I see you with a picture? Was that Nancy Capello you, you had a picture with? Yes, it was. Okay, so that is somebody who I got to interview when I was still working with the Center for Innovation at Mayo Clinic, and my eyes were open to just how complex and non-common sense the healthcare world can be. And when she talked to me about the Are You Dense advocacy and having to go legislate that people have to legislate for doctors to say, you have dense breast tissue and this may not detect a sizable tumor, I was like, but just wouldn't you say that anyway? Because that's the right thing to do. And so how has that impacted your work from a day-to-day -day perspective too? Like you're advocating outside of the workplace. And when you're seeing those patients one-on-one, -on -one, how does that impact you? And then as a follow-up too, do you mentor anybody? And are you, are you trying to pay it forward as well to anybody following behind you in your steps? Yes, those are great questions. And first, I want to say that it was such an honor and privilege to meet Nancy Capello when I did. So Nancy Capello was diagnosed with breast cancer back in, I believe it was 2003, and hopefully I'm accurate in that date. The reality was that mammography, which is the gold standard for breast cancer screening, was not able to reveal her breast cancer. 
And so when she ultimately was found to have breast cancer, it was a sizable tumor. And it was found as it was felt on a clinical examination. And so she was diagnosed with a rather advanced stage breast cancer, which is not our goal in breast imaging. It really isn't. When I pursued breast imaging as my fellowship, and I knew that this was what I wanted to dedicate my life to as far as my career, but really being a physician is sort of a 24-7 endeavor, right? And sort of you live, eat, and breathe it. I, people always ask me, you know, how do you balance being a mother, a physician, and all of these things? And I always say, you don't balance it. It just, you're always all of those things. You're always all of those things. And that's just really what being a physician is about to me. But the reality is I remember when I, when I heard her story and what she did with it, in other words, she became an advocate to say, if mammography cannot find my cancer, can we make sure that cancers aren't missed? And so she legislated in the state of Connecticut and passed the first dense breast notification law in 2009. And as I became a breast fellowship trained radiologist, I was realizing on my day-to-day practice and I said, you know, my goodness, my biggest My biggest issue and roadblock and challenge in breast imaging is trying to find breast cancer in a woman who has dense breast tissue. And 40% of women we screen have dense breast tissue. And it becomes very challenging to find it because because dense breast tissue, it's like looking through a cloudy sky. You can't see well. It's not like looking through a clear day. And so that became an issue that then was, you know, we couple with, well, can we use advancing technologies to be able to, to adjunctively help us, you know, see those breast cancers that we can't see with gold standard breast cancer screening, which is mammography. And I would say one of the most fascinating parts of what I do every day, and I feel like this is really the best time to be practicing breast imaging, is that we have evolution of technology helping us on different angles all the time. We have breast cancer screening, again, the gold standard mammography, which has evolved over the years, and now we use 3D imaging. And not only do we have 3D imaging, but we have high definition 3D imaging as our gold standard in most places. And then we can use ultrasound, whether it's handheld or automated, to be able to circumvent our inability to see breast cancer in a dense breast, or we have MRI. We have so many tools in our armamentarium to be able to do this. Now, on a level where you want to impact people, can we utilize something like a law to make sure that all the practices across the nation or the state make sure that in their reports they tell women when they have dense breast tissue and they tell them what the implications are so that that we can dip into that toolbox that we have and potentially if a patient characteristics require us to do so bring in other imaging modalities to find those cancers and i think you know nancy capello is just an incredible human being for what she did and her bravery and her courage to be able to go and try to make a bigger impact can we impact this not only on a level in our breast cancer centers but you know on a state level can we make sure that all the radiologists in the state of connecticut are talking about density and how it impacts our ability to find breast cancer. And then now there's 38 states in the whole United States that have this type of legislation. So she really is a force. And I was very sad to see you know, that she has passed, but her legacy will live on forever. And I remember when I realized that the state of Illinois didn't have this legislative piece of dense breast notification. I went down to Springfield and I wanted to make sure we did. And we passed that legislative piece in 2018. And so by giving medical expert testimony, just talking about, let's make sure that all the practices in our state are notifying women that they have dense breast tissue. And if so, they can talk to their breast radiologist and see if there's another test that might be helpful as an adjunctive test to our gold standard to help them find those cancers. So that was my launch into advocacy 
And I continued to help in this realm. And actually in 2019, I helped pass another legislative piece, which was to include diagnostic mammography as part of wellness. Because we were noting that a lot of people didn't want to get screened for breast cancer because economically with high deductibles, they couldn't afford it. The additional imaging that might have been required to find those cancers. So I was able to be influential and pass one of the first uh, laws in the state of Illinois to cover diagnostic imaging as part of wellness, hopefully to allow for more women to have access to screening and not be disadvantaged by economic hardship. So I think, you know, Nancy Cafalo, again, her legacy will live on and she's made an impact on so many people's lives and mine as well. And so hopefully that answers your first question. And I would say, as far as what do I do to pay it forward? Gosh, I'm so grateful and feel so privileged to be practicing medicine that I have embarked on being part of scholarship foundations that help fund uh, students that are college students to pursue their dream. And I'm a mentor for a foundation called the Panhellenic Scholarship Foundation. And I've been a mentor for the last six years. And I meet with the students once or twice a year, a group of them. And I have like a table of students that come to talk to me. And I, you know, it was, it's funny you asked me this because just last month I was able to have one of these mentorship panels and I was in it. And the students asked me, why do you, why do you come here and do this? And I said, you know, it took me a long, arduous and difficult road to get to where I am today. I'm you know, the daughter of two immigrant parents, first generation American. I had to learn a lot along the way on my own. And I was able to pursue my passion and achieve what I feel I can achieve in my life. And I hope to continue to do this in my lifetime. But what if I can share my experience with you now and that maybe can impact you while you're still in college. And then maybe your knowledge base will be higher than mine was at that level. And so by the time you come out as a physician, you have the tools and the resources around you to actually make an even greater impact when you're out. How amazing would that be, right? Exponential impact. And exactly. so it's my reason for mentoring and I love it. I do it with my alma mater, Northwestern. I mentor uh, students from there. I mentor, you know, any, really anybody who's inspired to hear more about what we do in our practice as physicians, whether they are, you know, students in our neighborhood or even colleagues who want to know something about, you know, something they haven't delved into. Physician colleagues, I always feel that paying it forward is more rewarding at the end for us as physicians. And I think that's what, that's what drives me to overcome a lot of the challenges and the hurdles that we see in our field. It's really a testament of how one sort of views the scale and the infrastructure of the world around us, whether we want to call it healthcare or even the, the political system, to enable that touch at an end of one. I think you've done a tremendous job of just leading by example of, you know, working with policymakers and getting laws passed and making sure that women in the state of Illinois and in other states and, and across the U.S., that they are by law given that information. I get chills just hearing of all of the, the work that you've done and continue to, to do. One of the questions that I do have is a lot of times you've heard me talk about the art of medicine. I think you've demonstrated in the conversation that we've had multiple ways that you have continued to evolve and transform and redefine how you practice your art. 
But what about if you're another radiologist, whether you're, you know, specific to breast or maybe you're general radiology or maybe you're MSK or maybe it's just another physician listening to this, what would be something that you would maybe recommend to them that they could think about tomorrow about remembering or practicing their art? Yeah, that's a beautiful question because I do feel that what we do is an art. Nothing in medicine is black and white. And I think that's part of the beauty of being in healthcare is that understanding a patient, an individual patient and all their characteristics to make a difference in their life is so important and goes beyond the scope of an image from a mammogram or, you know, a CT scan or whatnot. And I think in the state of healthcare as it is today, as it continues to evolve, what I try to remember is that on the other side of every image you read, whether you're reading in a room and you're reading a CT scan but not seeing a patient, or whether you're in breast imaging and you're actually seeing those patients, or if you're in another field, I mean, and you have, you know, sort of a different setup in your clinical practice, What I always try to remember is that every case we read or every patient that we encounter in whatever way we encounter them has their own unique set of characteristics and their own experiences, their own background, their own environmental stressors, their own family life. And they are here because they need something. And we are in such a state of privilege to be able to provide for each individual that comes into our setting and into our life. And sometimes an individual is scared and sometimes they are just not only scared, but terrified as to what we might say or do that might impact their life for the future. So I think I would say that for me, I always try to remember that we have the ability to make an impact on a patient, not only by the way we read a study, but the communication that we might have in a hallway the smile we give somebody down the street and really remembering that each patient comes in and we are changing something for them. We are either making them more secure in the fact that physicians are dedicated to serving another human being and making their life a little bit better, hopefully, or helping them through a difficult journey or finding something early when it's treatable or even comforting them if they have something terminal that we are making that impact. And so if we remember that with every case that we read, despite the hustle and bustle of our practices, which they really are, then not only will we feel the reward at a greater degree, but I think that the human beings around us, the patients who are coming into these practices that are larger and larger and larger in scale, will see the human side of what we do. And that will permeate in their lives to say, you know what, that physician was actually made a difference in my life because they smiled at me down the hall or they asked me about my day or when they read the study, you know, when they were reading the study, knowing that we care so much about them will impact their future as well and how they perceive the world or how they encounter the next person that they encounter. So it's just that it's that ripple, right? Like throwing the stone in the water and then hopefully one thing you do makes an after effect and you get a couple more ripples down the line. I, you know, as a physician, I try to remember that, you know, again, the hustle and bustle of daily life can really be challenging. And we can only keep that in mind that each individual just wants someone to care for them. And we are here in that unique position to be able to do so. Then let's do it. 
I love that. AJ, before I get into the uh, surprise rapid fire with Dr. Spear, do you have a question or an antidote or anything that you'd like to, to ask Dr. Spear before I jump into that? Yeah, you've touched on a couple of times about being a first generation American and your parents both immigrating here and giving you the opportunities that you had. And I'd love to know what have you learned from them that has helped carry on into your daily life with working with breast cancer patients and the work that you do every day? What is something that they impacted that helped you find these aha moments to help you pursue the career that you've chosen? Oh, those are great questions. And uh, as I grow in my adulthood, I start to appreciate so much more their story and their struggle. So I think immigrants are really the drivers of, of change and impact in our world. And my parents came from Greece and Turkey, and they came to America to help family, to really find opportunity. What I am most inspired by is the fact that the struggles that they went through, whether it was oppression in their own country or family uh, situations that really were not feasible or civil war, the situations that they encountered and their bravery and their courage to be able to, at young ages, pick up and come to a foreign land and say, you know, I'm going to plant my roots here and I'm going to create a family and make them grow and give them anything I can, whether it's, you know, their hard work, their work ethic, their kindness and their hospitality. I'm very blessed to have phenomenal parents who really exude kindness and looking out for another human being beyond measure. If I can only be that a fraction of what they are for the people that I encounter in my life, I'll have hopefully achieved some success. Um, they do it so graciously and gracefully. So it's just the identifying, identifying that each individual has such unique circumstances surrounding their life. It's amazing. You can meet my mom or dad on the street and you wouldn't know much about them until you took the time to speak with them. But then to find out their story is so impactful and can make such a difference in your life and how you pursue your goals or your, your communications with other people, I would say that they have had a profound impact on my life. And I think part of it is just their generous spirits, their kindness and their work ethic. And giving without expecting anything in return was ingrained, I think, just by their example in my own life. And so I feel it to be a true blessing to have them as my parents, frankly. And they've helped me in what I do every day in so many ways, many of which I don't think I've ever identified in words. And I think, you know, when I see my patients and, I, and I'm able to give them a glimpse of something or help them in some way, I think back to my parents saying, we came here to raise a family, to give you the opportunity to achieve your dreams. We in our own countries weren't able to pursue our career goals in the way that we hope you do. And whatever you do, just find your passion and go for it. And so I feel grateful to them and indebted to them in a lot of ways for their work and their work ethic. And, you know, I hope that my patients can benefit a little bit from them and me. Thank you. So there's a, a next portion that I did not share with you that we're going to be using with our guests. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Screen Actors Guild. But one of the ways that James Lipton always ended the interview with actors was a rapid fire session of giving two choices and you sort of pick what your favorite would be of those two choices. So I've sort of taken that concept and I've changed it a little bit just so people that are listening can sort of understand your preference, both personally as well as professionally. And so we will go through that right now, if that's okay with you. Okay, great. 
I don't know what to expect. This will be great. Uh, Just go for the heart or the gut, whichever feels better. (laughs) Exactly. Coffee or tea? Ooh, coffee. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Water. Do you prefer sparkling or flat? Sparkling. Surf or turf? Surf. When you travel, do you prefer a plane or a train? Plane. Backpack or briefcase? Backpack. Do you prefer to communicate via the phone or text? Phone. Do you prefer to type messages or voice to text? Type. Podcast or music? Ooh, music. Louis Vuitton or Cartier? (laughs) Cartier. Meetings, camera on or camera off? Camera on. Healthcare or medicine? Ooh, healthcare. Imaging or pharmaceuticals? Imaging. Telehealth or an exam room? Exam room. Physicians or doctor? Physicians. Physicians or artificial intelligence? Oh, I love both. Can I cheat? <laughs> yep. Uh, three, uh, three more to go. If you are what you eat, what are you now? <laughs> I'm an aspiring health nut. All right. If you were a leader of a nation, what would be the one rule that you would have for your nation? Always treat others the way you'd like to be treated. All right. And last but not least, what is your favorite swear word? Mad. (laughs) What I would also like to do is just to end this. So there is uh, both a physician and a patient healthcare pledge that I had years ago. I used it for something else. I've sort of repurposed it. What I'd like to do is read it to you. And if you think that it resonates with you, I'd love to, to hear you at least verbally say that, yes, you, you verbally sign it. But basically what the pledge says is, I, Dr. Spear, hereby swear to abandon all fear, to question everything, to try something different, to trust my patients, to recognize the etiology of healthcare begins and ends with the patient, and that I will measure success by the patients I impact and not just the dollars and cents. To honor the transformative healthcare leaders before me as I excel and to support those who follow as they ascend. I swear that I will never accept mediocrity as standard for success. I will not conform to the status quo. I will break the rules. I will ignore the instruction manual and I will disassemble the factory of healthcare as I set my bar higher and see healthcare from a patient's perspective. When I am finished, no one will look at patients the same way again, and healthcare delivery will happen at the end of one. As patients are treated as partners, together with physicians, we will make it great. I love that. I wholeheartedly sign off. All right. Dr. Spear, I want to thank you for coming on to our podcast, for taking the time to share your perspective and your journey with us. I want to thank you for all that you do and you truly are embracing and you are the the poster physician when it really comes to how do you use scale, but at the end of the day, ensure that care delivery is done at the end of one. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure to be on with both of you. Andy, you are an inspiration to me as well. And I am just very grateful for our friendship.